Hello and welcome as we journey shoulder to shoulder, growing in love with the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. And we are so glad that you're back again with us today to listen to us talk about the Ninth Commandment. Ninth Commandment. Go ahead. This one seems like, a you know, maybe it's a little bit of a revisiting because we already talked about how you shouldn't commit adultery. Um, but now it says, thou shall not covet thy neighbor's wife. Now, if you remember when we talked about the different numberings uh, between uh, Catholic and Protestant lists of the Ten Commandments, this is where we kind of get into a, a little bit of a difference because um, in the Catholic, it separates wife and the next the last commandment that we'll cover uh, in the next podcast, which is talks about coveting goods. So those are separated out in our list, which is why these um, form two different commandments. And the Protestant, they put wife and goods in the same one. So just to remind you of in case you were looking at a different list and thinking, wait, wait a second, this didn't have its own. That's the reason. But um as we talk about uh, coveting thy neighbor's wife, I think we can also just make it totally, you know, egalitarian and say it also goes for their husband as well. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, so let's play don't covet because that's right. like kind of a maybe a mouthful for some people. Like exactly what is that? Right. I really think about coveting as being very analogous to envy, the ah, sin of envy. Yes, yes, yes. So if, and I think it's important to remember the difference between envy and jealousy, because those actually are two different things as well. So envy, not only do you desire what another has, you also wish that they didn't have it. So it's like you want it for yourself, but you also begrudge them having it. Yes, that's right. Whereas jealousy is a little less um, ugly in the sense of you desire the other thing, but you don't wish that the other person didn't have it. You're ha- mm-hmm. You can be happy for someone having it and still wish you had it. Like, mm-hmm. so a, a really superficial example would be like, you know, say somebody got a beautiful new car that you just think is gorgeous and you think wow man I would really love to have a car like that I'm happy for them that they have it I certainly wouldn't want them to lose it but you know I'd like to have it too that's jealousy but if you thought you know man I really wish I had that car it should be me instead of them yeah yeah they shouldn't have that car in fact I hope they even get in a wreck and destroy that car because they're not they're not worth that car or you know that would be envy so coveting I, I think can really have that element of, of envy, envy where you're desiring okay. Okay. for yourself. I mean, because the reality is if you're coveting another person that you want to have to be in relationship with, you're not generally thinking, I want to be in a polyamorous relationship where I'm sharing it with the other person, right? No, you want that person for yourself, yes. right? So it's it's a covet. It's it's an envy. It, yeah, it's okay. it's not just simply a jealousy. Mm. But I I think... In this scenario, because we do already have the commandment against adultery, which would be an active sexual involvement with somebody who is not your spouse, who is married, or you're already married and you have uh, relations with somebody outside of your marriage, uh, this really is something that's more in your mind, right? So coveting happens within the heart and mind of another person, and it doesn't have to be acted out at all. You know, but it really does speak very clearly to when Jesus talks about, you know, if you have even lusted after a a woman or or a man, uh, you have sinned in your heart. 
So this is what this this uh, commandment is saying is mm-hmm. if you are looking on the spouse of another person, and let's even just say the you know the boyfriend or girlfriend of the I think we can expand it. If you're desiring for yourself another person who is already committed to someone else, the Lord's saying that's just not right. It's you're not meant to be doing that. That that's an inappropriate way of seeing another person, and you know this. You're sinning against a relationship that he's established in marriage, particularly a covenantal, sacramental relationship that the Lord has actually bound these two people together. So when we talk about um, in the sacrament of marriage, you know, where two, um, that where two are made one, a one flesh union of this man and this woman, for you to want to separate that is for you to want to break what the Lord has put together. You know, I just have to say this real quick. There used to be a a law on the books, a divorce law that said exactly this, that if one person went after a married person's spouse, then that married person then could be, that could turn around and sue that person based on this commandment. Like you could sue for damages. Uh If you knowingly went for sure. husband or wife, mm-hmm. as they were married, that used to be in the d- divorce law code. I think it needs to come back. Personally, I'm just saying that. Well, I mean, I really think it does speak to a real significant respect for the covenant of marriage. Yeah. And I, that has been lost to a large degree. When, when you have... <laughs> to a large degree? You know, <laughs> Megan, that's well, I mean, <laughs> I think within, you know, hopefully within our faith, you oh know... Oh, my goodness. Uh, honestly, I think one of the reasons why, you know it's not too hard to get an, an annulment these days in the sense of to have grounds for an annulment is because so few married people actually were properly prepared for the sacrament since they understand what they're entering into. Mm-hmm. I mean, people take it really very lightly. Yes. Um, and this idea that, oh, well, if we're unhappy or whatever, we can always get a divorce. It's no big deal. Or, you know, think, you know, we if we don't feel like having children, that's not a problem. We can just get enter into relationship for into a marriage relationship for our own pleasure. Like once marriage becomes about your pleasure and not about a lifelong sacramental union, that opened yeah. the floodgates to all the other definitions of marriage, which we're struggling with in this day mm-hmm. and age. Right. Right. Which, you know, this is maybe just slightly off topic, but that's like when you are discerning your vocation, if you are especially desire to never to have children, why would you enter into a marriage? If you're perfectly capable, capable, why, why would why would you? I don't know. I'm I'm confused about that one. It makes for me companionship, sad. for not not wanting to yeah. be lonely, good okay. to, for mutual enjoyment, like for stability in your life. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons people could potentially want marriage, but the reality is is that the Lord has proscribed marriage as being a certain thing, and when we think that we can redefine it in whatever way we like, well, then we're really yeah. outside of the protections of the sacramental uh, graces that come through it, and so. This this is a, a problem that we've gotten into, and but I want to think about this coveting another person's spouse, maybe in a little different way. Okay, um, because normally when you think about this, you we tend to think of about it sexually, right? Like, oh man, I'm attracted to that other person, and I would really like to, you know, 
have sex with them or, you know, whatever. But one of the ways that I think women often fall into this Mm. is by comparing our spouse to other people's spouses and measuring them up against other people's spouses and then thinking, wow, Mm -hmm. I wish my husband were more like that person's husband. Like their way, that husband seems way more affectionate or that husband seems, I like how um, well off they are. Like I like all the things that he can buy and, or that, you know, husband, he really seems to give his wife a lot of freedom and I wish I had more freedom. Mm. So it's this dangerous place of comparison that we can often fall into where, we're measuring our spouse against another person. Yeah. And, you know, usually when we start doing that, you know, we often find our spouse wanting because it's easy to focus on the things that uh, we get frustrated about or that we don't like in our right. own spouse as opposed to all the good qualities that they may have. And the grass is always greener, right? So right, we right. tend to only see the idealized aspects of, you know, another couple. Yep. And this is one of my favorite phrases. It comes up with um, close friends sometimes if we're having some good spiritual conversation and it does come up with my children, uh, especially with the young women. Comparison is the devil's playground. Comparison is the devil's playground. It's so true because he gets in there and tries to mess things up and confuse and tempt and so Mm -hmm. forth, which directly goes back to Thou shalt not covet. Right. And when we are in a place of coveting in the sense that we're putting our attention, our focus on a person who's outside of our marriage or who is in another marriage, like we're really not going to be properly attending to our own relationship, right? We're living in this fantasy world that doesn't have generally any basis in reality. And then... And so not only are whatever thoughts we might get up to as far as negative thoughts about our own spouse or, you know, inappropriate thoughts about the spouse of another, all that time that we spend in that fantasy land, we're not giving to our actual relationships. Yeah, right, right. And so I want to make a distinction here too, Megan, that is when you the, the thought may come to your mind un- Solicited, let's say. Sure, and that's going to happen. We're we're going to be attracted yes. to people. We're going to be get uh, you know somebody might take our attention, but whether it's sexual or non sexual, you know, people are compelling, and we will have that happen for right, sure. Right, right, and that in of itself is not this. No, absolutely it's when not. When we say, you know what, I'm going to play with this thought, mm-hmm. and I'm going to fantasize, imagine, and go down that road that's where the sin comes in. So I just wanted to kind of make that distinction. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And if you ever find yourself in that place where you're you're even just thinking, oh, I wonder what it would be like Mm -hmm. if I were married to that person or, you know, anything along that lines, you you really – if you you have to check yourself right. and you have to ask um, the Lord to drive those thoughts from your mind, you know you. How do you do that? I mean, I have some techniques too. No, I you what yours go. Are. No, please. Hmm. I will immediately break out in a hail mary. No, okay. if, if I have some un 
savory type thoughts come into my head that I just are not welcome. I'll just call on the Blessed Mother and start saying Hail Marys or and sometimes the Guardian Angel prayer too. Mm-hmm. really like those to try and, you know, blow it to the four winds, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find that I'm more likely to turn my thought to the Lord and, and just apologize mm-hmm. for for thinking that way and um, and turn towards gratitude. Like one of the ways that I try to combat uh, at times when maybe I get into like a little negative spirit about mm-hmm. my own spouse is to really then, when I realize I'm kind of getting in that zone, uh, and that's the danger zone, right, for comparison, comparing to other people. Because, you know, if you're feeling down about your circumstances, it's sometimes a way of trying to escape that reality is to imagine what it would be like in different circumstances, right? Um, but if I ever find myself in that situation, I try to really turn my mind towards gratitude for the goodness that is in my spouse, um, and, and really focus on those good qualities and, and try to uh, just imagine, instead of imagining how good it would be not to have my spouse, like instead imagine how bad it would be not to have my spouse because of all the good that's within him. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I would miss this so much and I'm so blessed to have this. And wow, it would really be hard for me to to be in a relationship where my someone wasn't like my husband is being in this area. So I do find that gratitude is a, is a really good place to combat uh, covetousness because covetousness is um, finds its source in some perceived lack, mm-hmm. right? So if you focus more on where you're full instead of where you're empty, you tend to be in a better place. Boy, you just said a mouthful there. That is just so true of these day and times that we need to be teaching our children um, greater gratitude for just the small things. Um, I'm just finding that, I don't know if it's the same with your children, maybe not, but there's a big difference between the, the children I raised in the early 90s, early 2000s, and the children that I'm raising now um, with their level of gratitude. And I look at myself and say, is that me? Is it us? Have we been different? Which, yes, I know we have. But then it's the culture too, Megan. I mean, it really has been. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. It's um, it's something that we struggle with because I, uh, it does seem that so often people tend to enjoy communal grumbling better than communal gratitude. <laughs> so, you know, it, it ends up being almost like a social thing to be ordered towards, you know, what we're complaining about as opposed to what we should be praising God about. Mm-hmm. But on this topic, I did want to speak to the issue of avoiding the near occasion of sin. Okay. Uh, because, you know, if you find that you're being exposed to a person that uh, is a challenge for you. I mean, like you talked about, you know, there are going to be times that for whatever reason we find a particular individual very compelling and that we may struggle to um, not have, you know, sort of experiences of wanting to draw near to them in an unholy way. Or I don't really struggle with, um, lustfulness in a, in a physical way, uh, too much. So I can't really speak to that from a personal standpoint, as far as the struggle that that might be. But I know that some people really, really do, um, you know, and 
the stereotype is that men struggle with it more than women. But I think in increasingly women are struggling with it as well because the culture has kind of been telling women that they should be more ordered towards sexual desire and things. So, you know, it all gets crazy. But I think um, it's important to recognize the truth about a situation that is maybe challenging for you. And if you do find yourself, say maybe you have a couple's friend, you know, how okay. fr you know friends sure. are couples. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, for whatever reason, you find yourself really drawn to the spouse of the, the, in this couple friend. And that if you find that every time you get together, you're struggling with the sin of this commandment, mm. you may need to make the decision that that's not a wholly healthy place for you to be in a couple relationship exactly. with because, and, and you're going to have to maybe be honest with your spouse about it. And that's going to be hard. Oh, yeah. That'll go back to the truthfulness commandment. Right. That could really be a struggle to yeah. just be honest and be like, you know what? I, you know, for whatever reason, I find, you know, that person to be very compelling. And so I think it's going to be better for us in order for me to protect my mind and heart from any sinful thoughts that would be a sin against you in addition to a sin against God. Uh, I would like to not. Um, be engaged in relationship with this couple. And I think, a, a, you know, a good spouse is going to be encouraging to you and really understand and try and move away from that situation with ease. Well, I don't, I think with ease might be uh, a lot to call Hope for. for. <laughs> okay. I think you could almost simultaneously be very honored and touched that your spouse was so desirous to protect his heart and mind from sinful thoughts of another mm -hmm. that he made that like move. But don't lie that it's not going to be maybe a little bit of no, a, this a is, jagger to the heart that says, yeah, oh, gosh, he's no, attracted to somebody this else. This is exactly you know? how I would do it. I think it's very <laughs> truthful and it hits the mark without hurting feelings. And that is, um, let's say it was this couples and it was the gentleman. I say, you know, he really makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to spend time with him because he makes me uncomfortable, which is really true. Okay. But then what if your husband followed it up and be like, and why does he make you well, uncomfortable? Then you'd what have to go it? there. Right. <laughs> so you're hoping to get away with it, but you might not get away with yeah. it. So you might just have to be honest and, and just express the reality that for whatever reason, I find that person compelling in a way that leads me down a path that, that I don't want to go to down in my heart and in my mind. Right. And so I really want to protect myself from that. I am a huge, huge believer in understanding the power of avoiding the near occasion of sin. Oh, me too. Absolutely. I don't think some people have like totally cut that out of their, um, you know, prayer in, in confessional when really you, you act of contrition. I don't know why that phrase was escaping me for a moment, but anyway, the act of contrition, the, the traditional one sure. contains that phrase. There are a lot of more modern ones that do not contain that phrase. Really? But I think it's really, really important to understand yourself and understand your weakness, you know, right. and, and maybe like that weakness there with that particular individual can be revealing something even deeper about yourself um, that the Lord wants to get into and heal. So certainly explore it more, right. maybe in spiritual direction or, um, with a priest confessor or, you know, in any whatever, a spiritual friend. I don't know, you know, 
dig in there to understand why you may be susceptible to that with a, a certain individual. But certainly if, if you're fine that you're regularly in a position where your mind gets led towards covetous, adulterous or, or lustful mm-hmm. thoughts towards another person that you, you really need to keep yourself guarded for right, right. interaction with that person. And I think you could speak to our single uh, listeners as well who, um, probably find themselves in more difficult situations, um, especially if they are in a serious relationship, they're trying to say chaste until marriage, you know, what are some of the things you do? You aren't alone together. You know, mm-hmm. if, Absolutely, if you're at yeah. one another's apartment, you're in the public spaces only. I mm-hmm. mean, you have to be very thoughtful so that you don't fall into that near occasion of sin like you're Absolutely, talking about. So, yeah. yeah, that's actually another good point you bring up. What I just thought of as you were talking about single people, where you could fall into this is just simply coveting being married. Oh yeah. Is coveting the spouse really? of another, right? Like so is say it? well is think it? Of, no think about it though. Okay. If you're in a relationship where you're a single and you've got a married couple and you constantly are feeling envious of the fact that they're married, wishing, you know, when you're in their presence, it causes you to have a spirit of um, discontent with your own life, of feelings of jealousy, of feelings of envy, of, you know, maybe even say uh, you start thinking negative things about your friend, like, well, why should she be married? She doesn't even deserve, you know, to have, you know, that guy. And I deserve to have a, you know, a man in my life. And well, well I, that's, think, I think it'd probably be like, oh, what Lord, why does she get to do it? And I don't yet. Why? You know? Right. But in a sense, that's still coveting yeah, yeah. your neighbor's spouse. It, mm-hmm. it may not be coveting them in the sense of, I want that particular person, mm-hmm. but the fact that they even have a spouse you're now coveting mm-hmm. and, and that can be a place of danger as well. So I think in the end, the, the fix for all this, the, the remedy to all this is examining the places where you feel empty Mm. in your life, where you feel like you're not receiving the fulfillment that you truly desire spiritually, emotionally or whatever. It's a longing. Yeah. You're, you're, it's a longing. You're longing for something. Mm -hmm. Dig into what you're really, truly longing for and how the Lord can fill that instead Mm -hmm. of trying to grasp it. From another right. person. You know, I've always thought, too, that uh, the sensation or the deep sentiment of loneliness is also a spiritual problem because only the Lord can make you not feel lonely, right? It's not Absolutely. another person really doesn't do that for you. It's only in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So I think we can wrap it up on that and, you know, really understand that the deepest most intimate longing of our heart is for the Lord. And when we find ourselves grasping for things that really aren't ours uh, and that aren't the gifts that the Lord has in mind for us, then we need to go back to that place of intimacy with the Lord and grow in that place mm-hmm. instead of spending our time in a sinful place of fantasy about something that is not ours. Amen. So with that, we will wrap up. We thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope that you'll tune in for the next podcast where we will bring it all to an end with the 10th commandment. So until then, God bless. God bless.